We are Artist Uprising. We have started a movement. Call it a revival for arts and entertainment. Call it a renaissance or united belief. That creativity should be undoubtedly expressed in a way that shapes culture for the better. That artists should have the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. Hey everyone, welcome to the Artist Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Ketch Smith. Each year we highlight best of the best creators coming out of Dallas. And today we are interviewing our first top 25 created of DFW for this year, Joshua Ray Walker, country music artist on the rise. His new album, Wish You Were Here, released back in January. It is everywhere you can listen to music, so go check that out. In this episode, we talk about his background in music, how he got started, the hardships he has faced, his new album, and everything he is doing now. Support for Artist Uprising podcast comes from listeners and from Common Desk, creative co-working spaces across DFW that provides monthly memberships and amenities for professionals and creators of all kinds. Find community and productivity at thecommondesk.com. Thank you so much for listening. Here is my conversation with Joshua Ray Walker. Well, Josh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. You do music um, yeah. from Dallas. Kind of walk us through that. What do you? Um, how'd you get into music? What was your? I started background playing there? when I was a kid. Uh, I grew up next door to my my grandparents, and my grandfather played bluegrass music, and always had records on. Um, and I would go over there and try to play along to the records since I was real little, like five, yeah. five or six. Um, I was playing, uh, trying to play banjo tunes and guitar. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just didn't put it down. I kept playing. Um, I started playing in like rock bands in junior high. Um, kept doing that through high school and then decided to try to do music full time. Uh, I took some some time off from school and uh, tried to pursue it full time. I was playing lead guitar for bands and yeah. uh, couch surfing around Texas and just trying to make it work. And then yeah. I started writing a little bit and um, playing more solo shows in my early twenties, uh, playing my original um, songs that ended up being country songs. I never necessarily intended to write country music um it just kind of just kind of happened way. yeah and what was it about music that drew you in like why did you why, why music um or what was it about the music that inspired you or or spoke to you i guess i don't know it's just always been part of my life yeah um because i started so young there just had to be something that it was just there from a young age. I was naturally drawn mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Um, no one ever pressured me into playing. I, I didn't have anyone musical in my family besides my grandpa. Really? Um, and I don't know. I just, that's kind of what I always um, would do in my free time. I'm a pretty anxious pers- person. I always have been since I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. Um, and I think that music was always calming for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a lot of my free time just 
playing. I yeah. practice yeah. four, six, sometimes eight hours a day. Just um, doing music all day. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So you started at five years old. Started playing banjo at five, yeah. Man. I've just been playing ever since. Yeah. Um, I've never taken a meanif- meaningful break. Yeah. I mean, I've always yeah. had music in my life in some ways yeah. since I was a kid. When did you decide that you wanted to pursue music full time to try to make this your career, your job? Um, I'd had kind of a rough go of it in high school. I bounced around schools. Um, high school wasn't my thing. I had a friend group, but it, they weren't necessarily kids I went to school with. Yeah. I I think I just wanted to grow up too fast. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I just I had a hard time pegging, you know, just wanting to be at high school. So yeah. I ended up doing dual credit and getting some college credits under my belt by the time I graduated high school. And it was time to start looking at colleges. And um, I just couldn't decide what I wanted to do and didn't want to waste time on a major that I wasn't sure about. So when I was 18, the summer after I graduated high school, I started uh, filling out applications that would get me out of Dallas. Like Mm -hmm. I filled out some... Uh, oil rig, like offshore drilling <clears throat> applications, yeah. uh, just anything that didn't require, you know, college education. Yeah. <clears throat> but I could make like a decent living and go see another part of the country or another part right. of the state. Yeah. And I was planning on just kind of packing up my car and going somewhere mm-hmm. and working for a couple years and putting some money away. And then uh, a guy that I had played music with in high school, uh, took a trip to actually I didn't play with him we played in bands that were always in the same battle of the bands for some reason yeah and I saw he'd taken a trip to Nashville and came home and I messaged him and he needed to put a band together so I started a band with him like that week when he got home and um I just I've been doing it ever since like I decided okay I like this you know Uh I'm gonna keep doing it and you just meet new people and there are more opportunities and just kind of continues like that. Um, yeah. I tried to get a desk job when I was like 21. Uh, While you were still doing music, like on the side or what? Yeah. Like that band kind of ran its course uh-huh. and I wasn't sure what I was going to do and I needed money and I was sick of couch surfing. Yeah. Um, and I cut my hair off and bought khakis <laughs> and started going on job interviews. And That's at that amazing. point, I'd finished an associate's degree, which <laughs> pretty much worthless. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just was like, That's I'm, awesome. I'm going to be a real adult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And after looking for a job for like 10 months and I was still playing music and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to put all this effort into being a full-time musician, and yeah. I started figuring out ways to make m- more money doing what I was doing, mm-hmm. doing some session work, um, putting together a solo set and buying a small PA so I could go out and play those yeah. awful like three- and four-hour dinner gigs. Yeah. Um, I started booking for small venues that wanted a music calendar but didn't have the resources to hire a bigger booking agent or um, someone on staff like wasn't into it. I yeah. would charge what I realize now is a very small amount of money uh-huh. to put together, you know, a, a music calendar yeah. for those places. Started a, a fake uh, booking email that I really made for myself. Um, 
and then started using it to book other people. It was called Bolero Productions, and I think I booked like 500 shows Whoa. with that company in yeah. like two years or something, and that was kind of my side yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. How old were you when you were like, I'm going to do music? Um. 21? I guess I decided that a few times. Yeah. A- 18 okay. after high school, and then again, like right before I turned 22. Okay. I decided I'm, I'm not going to look for any other employment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to force myself. Because you were still doing that desk job at 21-ish. Well, I hadn't even gotten one. I was. Oh, really? Was, you were looking for it? Yeah, man. I was doing like odd jobs, and I was looking for like a really long time. Yeah. The job market in Dallas wasn't great yeah. then. And, and then you're uh, like, all right, I'm going to do music. I'm yeah, going to pursue this. Yeah, I'm going to force myself to make all my mo- income mm-hmm. from music. Yeah. And um, so what'd you do? Just like book shows and like reach out to people and. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'd find whoever gigs, was. Play lead for people, play yeah. those long solo gigs, try to book other people's shows, uh, get paid a small amount, you know, to book up small venues, calendars, and all that just kind of added together into a small income yeah. that I could live on. Yeah. And I kept that going for, I guess, about five years or so. Yeah. And then started really hitting the solo stuff hard a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So what's been the hardest thing about this solo career, pursuing this, making this your source of income? What's been the hardest thing about it or any difficulties that you've you've faced? Um, if there is any, there doesn't have to be any. Yeah, I mean, making money is always hard. You always yeah. you have to hustle. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, you get told no a lot. Luckily, um, I don't have a reason for this, but for whatever reason, it doesn't affect me personally. I don't get my feelings hurt when I hear no. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, rejection is probably the hardest part. Of yeah. Trying That's why they don't ask. Creative. They're afraid to... Get the no. Right. And yeah. um, I don't know. Every time you hear a no, you hear two more yeses. You just yeah. have to keep Yeah. You have to keep doing it. Yeah. 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 What, um, what has been, like, the best thing or the thing that you see as the biggest win in, since, you've, since 22 when you decided, all right, I'm going to pursue this full time? I think I'm in the middle of it right now. Really? Um, yeah, the last couple of months have been really great. Um, I'd never had any press until recently. Um, I've been on a label called State Fair Records for about okay. a year. <clears throat> I just put out my my first debut album, um, debut full length, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, That's January twenty awesome, fifth, yeah. and it's gotten really great reviews from yeah, uh, No Depression, Rolling Stone, um, Wide Open Country, The Boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, saving country music, a lot of the outlets that I go to to find new music to yeah, listen to yeah. have reviewed the record, and that's been really surreal. Did you record uh, it here in Dallas? I did. Uh, there's a studio. It's actually in Garland okay. called um, Audio Dallas, and it used to be called Autumn Sounds. And when it, uh, in the 70s, Willie recorded uh, Redheaded Stranger there. Really? And um, my producer, John Pettigo, has been working out of that studio for a while. Yeah. And... Uh, he got me hooked up there. It's a great studio. Yeah, that's he's awesome. Great, he's a great producer. Yeah. Um, I was going to make an EP with him, and uh, we were recording that 
and he asked me why I wasn't making a full record, and I told him because I didn't have the money to make a full record. And so he asked to hear a couple more songs, and I showed him a song called Canyon, which ended up being the lead single off the album. Mm -hmm. And he took that to State Fair, where he had been working on a record. And um, they liked it, and we ended up making an album together. Yeah. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it's a full-length album. How long did it take you to put it all together, produce it and everything? started recording February 2nd of 2018. Okay. And the tracking was done by March, probably. And then the mixing took two or three months. And then the mastering took a couple months. And then, you know, you just kind of yeah, chip yeah. away at it. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, I mean... All songs you wrote, you wrote them... Yeah. Did you collab with anybody to write the songs, or is it all you? Not on that record. Okay. This record's just all my originals. Um, the next record will probably have a couple co-writes on it. Yeah. I didn't even know co-writing was a thing, really, Yeah. until like a year ago. Yeah. So I kind of already had the record ready to go. Um, I showed them all the songs I had ready, and we picked 12, and uh -huh. then, uh, ended up taking 10 and putting them on the record. So wow, that's awesome. How do you pick a song to go on a record? How do you like? Why didn't you pick the last two? Um, just so that the flow of the record overall felt nice. Like there was nothing wrong with the other two tracks. Yeah. Um, we just the that sequencing on its own took a couple weeks. We would all go home and write down different versions of the album, you know, in different orders. And the one we landed on that really felt right was this version of the album in this order uh -huh. with just these 10 tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of tells a story and, and that's flows cool. together nicely. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know when a song is done? Like it's ready to be I mixed and mastered <laughs> and released to the world. I don't think a song's ever really done. <laughs> I think it's just like you get a snapshot of, you know, whatever that song is right uh -huh. then. Uh, you know, it's a consensus. Like I, we would all make our notes and yeah. listen to it for a while and then come back and work on the mix again. I mean, yeah. I'm sure uh, John Pedigo got tired of my emails with <laughs> notes. And actually, I know for a fact... Can we change this? Can we do this? Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. And, I mean, we put just countless man hours in the mix of that record. Yeah. I spent a lot of time staring at the back of his head him, him yeah. staring at a monitor <laughs> and me on a couch or a chair behind uh -huh. him just listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Is it a pretty scary thing? Like you're going to release your 10 songs. Like you wrote these, like what is kind of like your feeling like, all right, here's the release date. These 10 songs are about to go out. Are you it nervous? Or are you like anxious or, or what is kind of like the, cause I've never released a song. I don't know what that, what, what that's like. Um, Letting go of the song is hard. Yeah. Really signing off on the masters and knowing that they're going to go um, be manufactured into physical mm -hmm. copies of the album. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I, I made vinyl for this record. <clears throat> so, like, knowing that there's going to be this permanent document of right. the way this song is, Yeah, that was really scary. Um, but knowing that people are going to hear it and hear this thing that we worked on for a year. That was kind of scary. You don't know how people are going to react to the music. <clears throat> um, but overall, I was just really excited. Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. And um, 
I just I had a feeling that I thought it was good. You know, yeah. if I didn't yeah. think it was good, I wouldn't right. have done it. Yeah. But I thought it was good, and I thought that um, that it would get a positive reaction. I wasn't expecting the amount of positive reactions it would get. Really? Yeah, like I, I had no expectation for this album to chart or anything, and yeah. it, it actually charted like the first week it was out. Dude, on, that's awesome. On the American yeah. charts. Yeah. So um, everything has been a very... I've gotten a lot of unexpected emails and uh-huh. phone calls in the last couple yeah. of weeks. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, did, do you have a band that records with you, or do you bring people in from other places, or, or how do you, how does that work? So I kind of have like a list of musicians that I okay. like, that I like that know the music. Yeah. Um, and depending on their availability and how country the per, like the lineup is, or how folk the lineup is, or how Americana the lineup is. Yeah. I kind of choose my musicians that way. Yeah. Um, going into the record, uh, that was half my friends and half uh, Pedigo's uh, band. Okay. Really. So Pedigo is in a band called Pedigo's Magic Pilsner that's also on State Fair Records. And we used his drummer. Okay. Because he's insanely precise in the yeah. studio. Yeah. Uh, Trey Pendergrass, he's really, really great. Uh, and then we used my friend Billy Bones on bass. Uh, he's one of the first guys I played music with when I started playing out solo in Dallas. Yeah, really great studio bass player. Um, and then my best friend Nathan Wells, uh, Nathan Mongol Wells. Yeah, uh, played rhythm electric on the album. Okay, and uh, he's married to Courtney Wright, who works for. Artist oh Stop no Press. way! Yeah, very. That's cool. And. Um, and then everyone else was mostly lead. Like, I did all the lead guitar on the album, all the acoustic guitar, all the lead vocals. Yeah. Except for a duet that my friend Van Darian uh, sang with me. She's a Weatherford artist that moved out to Nashville like five years wow, ago. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and then all the lead, there's pedal steel on there by Ward Williams, uh, piano and organ by Chad Stockslager, um, trumpet and keys by Corey Graves of the Vandaliers. That name sounds very um, familiar. Yeah, Corey is also a writer for Central Track okay. here in Dallas. Okay. Um, and Jenny Mack on accordion, and um, Pedigo got in there on some tambourine and banjo and yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, are all these people from Dallas? Yeah. Um, it's an extremely Dallas-centric record. Yeah, that's cool. Um, both rec- both studios we used. We're in Dallas, the Audio Dallas, and then we did some overdub at Modern Electric. Okay. Sound Recorders. That's like the Texas Gentleman's Home okay. studio uh, where uh, Bo Bedford and Jeff Sines and Jason Burt, they all mix out of there. Yeah. Um, and everybody who played on the record is from Dallas or Fort Worth. There's a couple of Fort Worth guys in there. And um, Yeah. Producers from Dallas. I'm from Dallas. Um, the guy who took the photos for the album covers from Dallas. That's so cool. Um, the music video was all shot in bars in Dallas. I mean, everything about yeah. the entire project, from photos uh-huh. to videos, production, musicians, all the characters in the videos and the photos. Like, it's it's all based out of Dallas. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah. When did you? When did you feel like you reached the tipping point? Like, all right, this is 
legit, I can, I can do music, I can pursue music and make a living off of it? When did you realize, like, all right, I'm good, like? Um, I guess there's, like, a couple of tipping points yeah. along the way. Um, there's definitely a breaking point where I was like, I'm going to do this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a tipping point where I was like, okay, I've, I've made it. This is how it works. I, yeah. fu- I fumbled through trying to make a living at music for uh-huh. years. Um, you know, get your lights turned off and go play a gig yeah. and turn back on. And <laughs> But this last year, like uh, going to Americana Fest in September, um, I had gone the year before alone. Uh, I had booked like a solo tour around the Midwest back in 2017 and ended up in Nashville during Americana Fest. And I didn't even really know what it was. Um, and I was going to shows and I met some really nice people and I felt like Nashville was a place I really needed to, um, revisit on a regular basis. Uh And so I did that. And then a year later I was back at Americana Fest. Um, but this time I got to play a couple showcases and I remember walking into a venue one night and, um, for the first time ever, I had people that mattered in the music industry approaching me yeah. saying <clears throat> that they liked my single that hadn't come out yet, but we had released it to email, like an email blast to uh-huh. some people in the yeah. industry and whatever, letting people know like, Hey, this is going to come out with a bio and all that. And I had a lot of people coming up to me and asking me questions and just saying they liked what I was doing. And, and that was a moment that was, um, unexpected. Like I just went to the venue to see a show Yeah, and, had these people approaching me, like um, Texas Music Commissioner office people and radio promoters and um, DJs and um, publicists and, yeah. you know, just a lot mm-hmm. of industry folk. And I ended up leaving that week with a radio promoter and a publicist, and which is how those showcases are supposed to work, but yeah. ra- rarely do. And so I felt very lucky for that. <clears throat> and then another moment where I felt like a tipping point where I was... Uh, as far as my live show goes, I had the opportunity to um, open for <clears throat> Coulter Wall on a couple dates back in December. And the first one was here in Dallas uh, at the Granada Theater. <clears throat> and that was to a hometown crowd. Yeah. And I had a lot of people show up and um, just really felt the love in the room and people were singing along and the cheering at yeah, the end that's of the awesome. set was loud and went on for a long time they brought the house lights up and I walked through the curtains and Coulter Wall and my friend Vincent Neil Emerson and uh, Jacob Metcalf and Matt Hillier from 1100 Springs and all these people were back there waiting to greet me uh, and congratulate me on the set yeah yeah that was really surreal but I was like well that's my hometown that's not that's not a good like I felt like I really had control of the crowd at that show and Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to uh, entertain a room of a 900 or 1,000 people yeah, when you're yeah. playing solo. Uh, it was a solo set. Um, but two nights later, I got to do the same thing in, in Oklahoma City. And I didn't know anyone in the crowd. And as the set went on, more and more people were paying attention until at the end of the set, I felt like I really had the crowd's attention the same way I did in my hometown. 
That's and awesome. So getting off the stage in Oklahoma City and converting a crowd of strangers into fans. Yeah. I was a moment where I felt like, okay, I can do this. I can go play my songs, just originals, alone to yeah. a crowded yeah. theater and actually turn them into fans. Right. Um, and that was just six weeks ago or yeah. something. Yeah. So that was a really big moment. That's so me. awesome. That's, re- that's really cool. Yeah. Um, who in the music industry or just in life inspires you, inspires your work, inspires your music? Um, some of the big names would probably be like uh, Coulter Wall, uh, Paul Coffin, Tyler Childers. Uh, and then <clears throat> as far as like writers go. Mm. And then, but most of it's just uh, my peers, like, um, we have a really tight knit group of writers and performers here in Dallas yeah. and we all really feed off each other. And when one person's going up, someone's coming down and when you're going down, someone's going up and you just got to you know, lift each other up. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, I'm really close with the guys in the bandoliers, Josh Fleming and Corey Graves. Yeah. Um, John Pettigo, uh, Nathan Mongol Wells, <clears throat> Billy Law, um, Colton Ayers, John Earl Maynard, um, you know, there's just, there's so many good writers in Dallas yeah. and we try to support each other as much as we can. And, um, Greg Schrader, you know, there's just countless really, there's so mm-hmm. many good writers in Dallas Yeah, <clears throat> and we're always going to each other's shows and we host as many songwriter nights as we can so we can all hang out and share ideas. Yeah. And share Brainstorm. And, on yeah, and yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Who's someone that you would want to col- collaborate with, whether they're, you know, celebrity or just another like musician that you really, in- that you really respect? Who would, who would that be? Oh man. Um, so I love country music and I play it. But if I was going to collaborate, I'd want to collaborate with someone outside of my genre. Really? Probably. Why? Um, Just for something different or what? A lot of, there's a lot of good country music, and I like a lot of different styles of music. Yeah. So uh, I would probably want to work with... Oh, uh, My knee-jerk reaction is to say Jack White because I was so influenced by his guitar playing uh-huh. growing up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Love Killer Mike. Uh, maybe probably someone Icelandic, you know? Yeah. Maybe like yeah. uh, Yonzi from Sigaros or Bjork or um, I'm spacing on the name yeah. of the <laughs> other Icelandic band. Kaleo. The chick that's in The Knife and then she made that band that did Concrete Walls and the Vikings theme song. Yeah, what I have no idea name? who that is. <laughs> Another weird Icelandic <laughs> band. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Cardi B. We were just talking about that in the <laughs> we were just talking about that in the office yesterday. And I was like, if I could collaborate with a like a just a mega star, you know? Yeah. I think Cardi B would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That is amazing. Um where can people find your music? Is it, is it everywhere? iTunes, Spotify? Yeah, pretty much any streaming service you use, you can find it. Uh, my full name, Joshua Ray Walker. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, it's um, 
at Joshua Ray Walker. That's on Instagram and Facebook. Where are you most active? Instagram? Probably Instagram. Probably Instagram. Yeah. yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you have to follow me at Ray Walker Joshua because somebody made mm. an account with my name and then got banned. And now I can't no have, way. Now I, can, now I can't have That's my, stupid. Uh, my name on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Josh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Do you have a song for us? Can you play a song, like a little bit of a little snippet of a song? Sure. Yeah. I was born to wander But my feet can't take me far But this is by my own doing So I tell stories at the bar I'm afraid of flying Afraid of falling, truth be told I don't get close to edges I'm afraid that I'll let go I'm a big, big man Not just in size or in stature In terms of space that can't be filled I'm a bottomless canyon Without a drop to spill Are you proud of me? Are you proud of what I do? I'll try to be a better man than the one that you knew. I will miss you when you're not around, though I wasn't around for you. When your broken body's in the ground, all hope's room for two. I'm a big, big man, not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon without a drop to spill. Yes, dude, that was good. Thanks, man. Thank you for doing that. What? Talk about the song. Talk about the story behind the song. Why you wrote this song? Kind of the, your heart behind it. Um, that song's called Canyon, and it's track one off the album I just put out called Wish You Were Here. That's so good. Um, and I just released the music video for it yesterday. Um, first music video I've ever had. Nice. It got premiered on Rolling Stone, which was really great. Yeah. Um, that song's about, uh, my relationship with my dad. Uh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer about two years ago. And, um, we weren't super close when I was growing up and, uh, we weren't estranged or anything, you know, like yeah, things were fine. We just, uh, you know, we didn't 
have a whole lot to connect over. Mm-hmm. He's a real conservative kind of East Texas going fishing every weekend yeah. type of yeah. guy. And uh, we just didn't have the same interests and I was always trying to hang out with my friends. So we just weren't mm-hmm. very tight. Yeah. Um, but I was getting older and I, I watched the way he was kind of the same way with his dad. And, um, I watched how much that kind of hurt him when his dad passed. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't want that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So when I, when I started, when I settled back down in Dallas, uh, when I was about 22, I started making an effort to see him a little more often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we still weren't that great at communicating. He, we're not an emotional communicators, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so when he got sick, uh, I'm his only son, and so there just aren't a whole lot of people around to help take care of him. Um, he had just gotten remarried. His brother lives out in East Texas, and so we started spending like every day together for a while. And it just brought up all these feelings about how I wanted to know him better and, and all this stuff. Yeah. And that got me thinking, like, you know, what do you leave behind when you go? And what am I going to leave behind when I'm older and I pass on mm-hmm. and all this stuff? And um, thankfully, he's still kicking. He's still alive. He just made it out to my release show a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and, you know, it was just... Um, this song was kind of me processing all of those feelings uh-huh. about um, your legacy when you're gone and, and my relationship with my dad and just all the emotions wrapped around that. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Well, Josh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate your singing and everything that you're doing. Um, go follow him on Instagram, Twitter. Check out his new album anywhere you listen to music. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Stay tuned for our interview with number two top 25 creative of Dallas next week. We are the artists that make our cities one of a kind. We are the artists behind all the beauty, even in your home. From the architecture that defines the place where you rest, to the space in between lined with fine art, handcrafted furniture, and vintage finds, there was an artist who gave you a priceless gift, a piece of themselves. It is our mission to abolish the term starving artistry. This podcast is about interviewing those who have paved the way with their successes in the arts and entertainment industry. Tune in as they give other emerging artist listeners tips to success, as well as advice in the midst of a tipping point. This podcast series will also be a platform to discover together new emerging talent from all over the world. Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.